minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we can buy shit we don't need. Ideas are brittle. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. What's up, guys? Got an awesome episode for you today on light. Everything from how to leverage full-spectrum sunlight, what to do, what not to do, uh, to how to optimize your work environment and your home to get a deeper, more restful night's sleep so that you wake up in the morning refreshed so that your natural melatonin production is maximized and you are able to preserve and maintain your body's endogenous, uh, naturally produced antioxidant defenses. We cover cool gear that you could use for light hacking and stuff that takes things further from what I put out a few years ago in the Biohacker's Guide to Upgraded Energy and Focus. And if you get value from the episode, leave us a review anywhere that you listen to podcasts um, and you know, share it with your friends and family members. We've seen an increased um, squeeze from censorship and that's not going to change anything that we do, nor what uh, what we express on the Biohacking Secret Show. But it does require help in order for us to get this information out to more people. So if you enjoy this episode um, and you're not already, subscribe and leave us a review and then share this episode with someone or a few people who would get value from it. And if you would like to explore potentially becoming a part of our regenerative community sufficient tribe of like-minded people living in harmony with nature, you can go to biohackercoaching.com. Um, we are going to be picking up land. Uh, basically, what we're doing is currently um, we have a growing group of investors who want to be a part of this community and uh, people who recognize the fact that the power grid and uh, municipal water supplies, et cetera, can, they're, they're all part of a control mechanism that restricts our freedoms and can potentially put us in a position where our health freedoms are at risk. So if you're not the type of person who wants to walk around wearing a mask all day or have untested poisons injected into your body, um, like these vaccines that were rushed to market, um, then you may want to be a part of this community or even have it as a as a backup if things get, you know, get a little weird where you live. So we're going to have an amazing piece of land that we're all going in on. Um, we're going to have spring water on the property. We're going to have our own power produced either through propane, hydroelectric, solar, or a combination thereof. It's going to be a group of people that, uh, as I mentioned, are like-minded, living in harmony with nature, that have each other's backs, people that won't call the police on you. And um, yeah, for not following unconstitutional mandates, we're going to be growing a lot of our own food, and it's going to be amazing. We're looking in the area of Western North Carolina, and yeah, a lot of exciting stuff on the horizon. And even um, more exciting is for every acre of land that we purchase for our community, we are going to be donating an acre of land back to 
uh, indigenous people or Native Americans who had that land taken from them. So if we end up getting, you know, a 50 or 100 acre um, parcel of property for this community, then we're going to be donating uh, an equal amount of acreage back to um, either the Cherokee Indians who are from that area or uh, another Native American or indigenous tribe that had it taken from them. So that's kind of going to be a cool thing that we're doing here and and just some added incentive for us to um, come together make some power moves and do some good in the world. The minimum investment for that as you know, I'd like to include everyone in it, but it's just not realistic. The minimum investment is a 25K donation that guarantees a quarter acre and uh, community. I'll be, it will also set up the infrastructure like roads and making sure that you have fresh spring water, structured water going to your property. Um, and then, you know, a lot of the other incentives that will include, you know, we'll have some fitness facilities and other, another really exciting stuff. Um, 75K it gets you a full acre. And then if you want multiple acres, which some people have expressed interest in, you know, you can do the math or we can talk about that. But yeah, you can uh, apply at biohackercoaching.com. Just fill out the short form. Let me know it's about our regenerative community. And uh, we'll have a conversation and see if it's a fit. So with all of that said, and without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy today's conversation with Matt Maruka on The Light Diet. All right, Matt Maruka, welcome to the Biohacking Secret Show. Thanks for having me on, Anthony. I appreciate it. I'm, uh, I'm pumped to chat. I'm wearing a pair of your glasses right now from Raw Optics. Uh, and we were joking right before we hit record about how far things have come in the past few years. Uh, like the first biohacking event right. we did in 2016, I got all the guys these plastic Uvex uh, glasses on Amazon that like, you know, they blocked blue light, but they also made you look like a total chode. Yeah, and, um, I feel <laughs> that. Here we go. And uh, And now you've created these like, very stylish, almost, I don't want to say artisanal, but I don't have the vocabulary for, uh, I'm not a super fashionable dude, but they look cool. Artisanal is uh, a good word. Yeah. Yeah. There, I mean, it's, it's a something, like I said before, I'm very, very proud of that, that I've been able to do this. This is, yeah. uh, the ones we're both, I believe the ones you have on are the night lenses or the more orange reddish ones. And then yeah. we also make our, uh, our day lens. Oh no, you have the day lenses on. It's hard to I tell because you got. So I got the stuff. yellow ones, and then yeah, I got a whole bunch of red light in the background here. What model are these? Because I love these ones. So that one's called Wallace, and it's not actually available on our site at the time being, but we're yeah. uh, we have a new version of it coming out in the next couple of weeks. So dude, they're sweet. Yeah. So anyone probably by the time this podcast actually launches, it'll be live. So um, I've got a lot of natural light actually coming in right here. So normally I won't wear the glasses when I'm when I have so much natural light. But for people who want to get an image of the lenses, that's the night lenses. And then we have day lenses you would use again when you're indoors, but you don't have a lot of natural light when you're, you know, getting blasted by all these lights above, which I don't have going on or like a screen, for example, that isn't getting counterbalanced by more full spectrum sunlight. Uh, that's when you would use the the day lenses. So it's kind of, people always ask like, you know, what's the difference between the night lenses, day lenses, which one should I get? Basically the, the reason people would use those yellow day lenses that you have on is that when you have 
blue light, and we'll get into all the science here in just a second of, of why light's so important for health for those who are new to this concept. But basically during the day when we're out in the sun, the blue light in the sun is very good for our body because it basically activates you know, our body's growth and metabolism pathways. It activates our circadian rhythm. And the blue, which is when it's isolated by itself, as it is in indoor lights, it's largely isolated, that can be damaging. However, when we have blue light balanced by near infrared light, which is a major component of full spectrum sunlight, it's okay. It's, it's actually balanced out. So the key thing that makes indoor living and indoor lighting bad, and even lighting that's passing through windows, especially newer windows, these windows filter out infrared, near infrared. So even good quality sunlight can be turned into poor quality light through a window. It's really important. So that's when we'd want to be wearing our day lenses. The night lenses are for someone who, after the sun sets, you're exposed to any sort of artificial light, which is everyone today. So you throw the night lenses on, and that's how you're really going to get the biggest melatonin benefits. You're cranking up your melatonin, blocking out all the blue, and into the deep into the green light range. So you're sort of getting the, if you think of it this way, the one in a punch is the day lenses and the two is the night lenses. The, mm -hmm. the one is protecting you during the day and keeping you from excess blue light and artificial light exposure, eye strain, headaches, increased cortisol levels. The two is furthermore protecting our melatonin secretion after the sun goes down. And so both are important for people. So when people say, which one should I get? If they really only want to get one, I'd say day lenses because you can wear them day and night. If you mm -hmm. wear the night lenses during the day, it could be a little bit much yeah. on the eyes. It's a little dark, but at night it's totally fine because you're ready to go to sleep. You want it to calm down. So we actually offer a bundle now. So anyone who wants to get both day and night lenses can easily pick them up. So. Yeah. And we've got, I think we have a dis, uh, biohacks discount code with you mm -hmm. guys. If any of you guys listen to this conversation, decide you want to pick some up or, you know, you have some, but you don't wear them because they're, you know, kind of lame looking. Um, yeah. That'd so be just raw, to kind of rawoptics.com forward slash biohacks. If they go to that link, that'll be, that'll be applying for people. Sweet, sweet. And um, so to kind of recap, you've got full spectrum sunlight that's got your your Roy G Biv, the red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet, and then your infrared and some other shit. But And ultraviolet. Yes, yeah, so you have yeah. before the Roy, before the R, you have infrared, then red. Mm -hmm. And then after the V, the violet, you have the ultraviolet. So it's, yeah, they're, they're invisible. They're beyond the visible spectrum, but they still reach Earth in very, very large quantities, such as to be really important for our body, whose evolution was driven by the availability of different wavelengths of light mm -hmm. and still yeah. requires them. And, and we're seeing, I mean, everyone's, everyone's waking up now uh, and kind of coming out of this, this, a lot of the misinformation that was had people believing that they needed to slather themselves with like cancer laden sunscreens and stay out of the sun. And now we're kind of like, Whoa, all right. People are winning the Nobel prize for their research in circadian biology and the recognition of the fact that like our cells are like little clocks and evolved mm -hmm. alongside this, um, this, this giant, you know, ball and ball of, of light in the sky. And, uh, what you're saying is the artificial lights that are mostly blue, especially the, um, the like high efficiency bulbs, 
can actually throw us off because they don't come with the other spectrums that balance out the blue that you exactly. get like, if you're out in the sunlight. Yeah, there's so there's two major risks uh, that that people really need to know about. And again, that's sort of like the daytime risk and the nighttime risk of, of artificial light. And there's really a third risk, which is just the lack of sunlight. So you said it really well. I mean, obviously, you know what you're talking about. And a friend of mine, <laughs> I forget who it was, but he said, Dude, you should really talk with Anthony because he really knows what he's talking about. You guys would have a great conversation. So I was super stoked that we that we made it happen. Basically, you put it perfectly. I mean, if you imagine the sun rotate, you know, spinning around the earth, well, in reality, it's the earth spinning around itself and it looks like the sun's rising and setting, right? But we're spinning around ourselves in and out of our own shadow on earth here. And so not only is the light of the sun powering our biology, so it's actually provided the fuel, the energy, what one could think of as the push to actually allow life to evolve to higher levels of complexity. But at the same time, beyond the push, it's provided the timing in order for our systems to work properly. Or another way to say that is that in order for us to, to take advantage of that energy of sun, we created timekeeping systems to manage, you know, the, the light of the sun. An interesting um, thought that I actually had when I was at this, you know, week-long Joe Dispenza retreat regarding time was if the sun always stayed at the same place in the sky, what would time be, you know? In other words, we already supposedly live in this eternal present moment, right? The sun moves and everything. So to me, time is more, it's less what we think of, or at least what I've thought of time as, and it's more something that we could better refer to as position. Like as our position changes, we keep track of that with these numbers on an ongoing basis, but it's like this eternal present. The only thing that's changing is position. But anyway, the position that we're in determines the availability of the energy that we use to make life. And therefore, we've developed these timekeeping or position keeping systems because the position that we're in on Earth is relatively predictable. It has been for the last four billion years. We've developed these internal clocks that track everything, like you, you said very nicely. So every single day, we want the light from the sun to both be setting our circadian rhythm, aka the master clock for all of our cells that controls all the peripheral clocks, all the organs clocks, all the cells clocks, and the expression of all of our genes are even all linked to and dependent upon proper timing and clocks, circadian rhythms, and so on. So that's one thing the light's doing. The other big thing is it's doing, like I said, it's driving power. So the risks that, that come about with the indoor lifestyle and artificial and technology-based lifestyle in particular is first, we're deficient in sunlight. So as soon as we go inside, we are basically in a cave. So the full spectrum of light is either being blocked entirely by walls and to kind of remedy this issue of a lack of light, if we were entirely enclosed, we put these things called windows in our houses to at least let some of the light in to keep us awake. Because if you're in a dark spot, you're just gonna get tired because the brain's just gonna make more melatonin. So we put in these windows, but in doing so, especially more recently, the windows filter out key components of the light, unless you have windows made of quartz, which are very expensive and no one does. They're very rare. <laughs> 
your windows are, or there are certain types of, you know, full spectrum transmitting plastics that aren't really commercially available right now, but we'll, we'll fix that over time. But basically the regular glass windows, they block out ultraviolet and the newer windows also block large portions of the infrared. Now we don't see this because we only see the visible spectrum. So the windows transmit pretty much the full visible spectrum other other than tinted windows with a blue or a grayish tint. But in general, most windows transmit the full visible spectrum. So we think they're cool. You know, if they didn't transmit the full visible spectrum, they'd maybe look green or orange or yellowish or gray. And then they'd be, you know, that wouldn't be optimal for us. We want that full visible spectrum. What but the is, thing they don't the transmit name, again like is if, if, sorry, to, sorry to cut you off. I, I know Go we ahead. said, but I, I'm curious because I'm going to be building a few properties and like, I want windows that allow in full spectrum sunlight. What would I even look for to find that product? So I would, this is a great question for a ton of people probably who are, who are interested in this. I would just talk with developers, uh, window people, glass people, anyone you'd speak with, just tell them what you need full spectrum transmitting windows and let me know what you find, please. But full, full spectrum windows. And that would be a great, great idea. Now, the only thing you have to be aware of is one of the benefits, which I don't really agree is a benefit because it's at the risk of our health. But one of the benefits of many windows today that people think is a benefit is that they block the UV, which can cause all your furniture, your belongings, all of those things to lose their color. So for example, like there's a radio on this desk, the desk is wood, there's paintings in this room. If you have full spectrum transmitting windows, your your couches are going to fade in their color. Your desks are going to fade. Your different things are going to lose color. But who cares? <laughs> because care. your health is going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. So, All right. I'm willing, yeah. I'm willing to run that experiment. I would I would run it 100%. And, you know, the best thing you could do is if, if you can set it up so that you can have windows that or at least screen doors that retract and then you have screens, I should say, you know, you can pull out the glass and then have a screen. Screens are transmitting the full spectrum because the holes in the screen are thousands of times bigger than the wavelengths of light we're talking about but glass comparatively actually filters that stuff uh whereas a screen doesn't so so anyhow you know you're you're getting the idea the listener here whoever is taking this information is getting an idea not only is the light really important to be driving the timing but when we come indoors we're getting a lack of ultraviolet and infrared and like you said earlier on, people have been, we've been duped as a society into thinking that ultraviolet is damaging to our bodies. In reality, the higher energy ultraviolet wavelengths, they're the highest frequency of light that gets from the sun to the earth in large quantities. Uh, and, you know, except in the case of like a solar flare, in which case we don't want that, that higher energy stuff because it could hurt us. Uh, we're not evolved to it, but UV. A lot of a lot of evidence suggesting that like solar flares have driven many of the uh, influenza pandemics. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, yeah that it's related to both comets, uh, solar flares, like these changes in um, we'll call it our environment. You know that that can cause changes in our electromagnetic uh, environment and then affect the health of human beings. Not just uh, the, the not just the contagion aspect of it. I fully uh, agree with that, and I, that's something I have some I'd like to look into further. But mm-hmm. so the UV, because it was you know as the 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 evidence goes that the sun's evolution changed 
over the last couple billions of years as it does as it grows older and the amount of uv light it was putting out increased pretty substantially and the historical or ge- you know geological evolutionary evidence aligns that this thing happened around that time in our sun's lifetime that it started putting out more uv that the animal complexity on earth completely skyrocketed. So basically the two are linked up pretty nicely. And this is called the Cambrian explosion in evolutionary history. And so ultraviolet light, conversely to what the mainstream is purporting is this damaging toxic thing is very likely responsible for a massive exponential explosion in the complexity of our species because we're light driven beings. And when the sun gives us a teensy little bit more energy that we could utilize for further complexity, initially it'll come with its changes and ebbs and flows as evolution does. But eventually when life figures out how to utilize it to its advantage, we can go pretty far. And now the cool we part, have, we this, may have had a whole bunch of people that just burned up and got melanoma oh yeah. and then the ones that survived evolved. <laughs> yeah. Well, whatever, I don't I, exactly want people, ones being ancient organisms well before humans, but yeah. 600 million years ago, but uh, definitely, definitely um, that is very likely what happened. There was a big shift and that's how evolution goes, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the weak make way for the strong or the adaptable. Mm-hmm. So UV, not only do we have this historical evidence that ultraviolet light allowed life to evolve to greater levels of complexity, but if you look at a human being and other organisms that they test, like mammals and birds and other organisms, but take humans because we're humans, we have photoreceptors on our skin and in our eyes that specifically are designed to absorb UV light for a wide variety of purposes in our body. The one particular one that comes to mind is it's called neuropsin. This is a UVA light photoreceptor that is relevant in our circadian rhythm. It's relevant in a lot of signaling and all kinds of other things in the body. So if UV is so bad for us, why do we have receptors specifically designed to absorb it? Again, beyond that, we can see that there's a lot of amino acids that our body used to make key neurotransmitters. These are called aromatic amino acids. And the aromatic term refers to this benzene ring on the chain of these amino acids, which specifically absorbs ultraviolet light. So this- Like tyrosine being used to convert to dopamine. Exactly. And And how there's a connection with like, people don't get a lot of sunlight, their risk of Parkinson's is higher. Yes. And tryptophan, this is a huge one, tryptophan being converted into serotonin Mm -hmm. and then into melatonin. So the, the production of melatonin which people think of as the hormone of darkness and of nighttime and sleep requires daytime sunlight exposure, just like Mm. everything else in our body, which is controlled by our circadian rhythm and by the different frequencies of light. But even again, Dr. Joe Dispenza, who's big, big expert on these brain chemistry, hormones and neurotransmitters, he's talking all about how Sarah wakes you up in the morning when you're exposed to light and Mel puts you to bed at night, Sarah and Mel, serotonin, melatonin. So this is, nothing fringe or nothing crazy. This is some very common science. It's becoming common. It's just that the, the information about how light and sunlight drives this process is an issue. So anyway, that's all to say that UV light that we're told is so bad and damaging isn't. If we wanted to go even further, you know, not only have they known since antiquity, since Egypt and Rome and Greece, they use sunbathing. They use rooms in their houses with open ceilings in, in, um, 
Rome called solaria, these solariums that they would use to take in the sun's rays for health. Hippocrates was a huge fan of sunlight. The Egyptians would shave their heads and bathe their heads in the light. Uh, their, uh, the amount of sun worshiping in Egyptian, their, in their old carvings and scripts and everything is just unbelievable. So they knew, in fact, there was an Egyptian pharaoh. This is a story that I think would be kind of up your alley of interest, but there's an Egyptian pharaoh named Akhenaten who basically renounced, it was the first monotheism in recorded history. He renounced all of the other Egyptian gods in favor of the one god called the Aten, which is the, the sun disk, that circular disk that you see when we look at the sun in the sky. And so he took the name Akhenaten, which I believe means worshiper of the sun disk. And he actually built a city called Amarna in Egypt where people just worshiped the sun. And that was their whole thing. And it's funny, the guy who told me this, I met at a biohacking conference in Toronto in 2018, and he was working with Egypt to build, uh, to do documentaries and tourism stuff. He was an American guy or a Canadian, but he told me, he's like, well, you're into sun. Do you know the story of Amarna and Akhenaten? And I was like, no. And he told me that basically they achieved this sort of level of, let's say, enlightenment as a society back at that time. And because the the succeeding pharaohs didn't want people to know about what he had discovered, he was the one pharaoh who was excluded from all of the, the pharaohs lists. Like in Egypt, they had a list of all the past pharaohs to keep record, and he was excluded from that. They hid and buried Amarna as a, as a city, and um, the, so therefore, since that time, the benefits of sun have sort of been attempted to be squandered by the powers that be. Now that's more in that, let's say conspiracy theory realm, but it, it, it's not at all. And like, <laughs> we're, let's, let's, let's call it out. You know what I mean? Because I think everyone's seeing right now, especially with this COVID hoax that the, the, the medical industrial complex does not give a shit about you. <laughs> they want you to die a slow, expensive death. That's it. It's really it. obvious. Say it like they're, it is. They're dude. Russian vaccines, anything that, 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 challenges the vaccine uh profitability is being censored right now and uh the the people that are calling that it, half the world didn't suddenly become conspiracy theorists you know conspiracy theorist is a weaponized term that was created to discredit people who questioned the kennedy assassination which was very possibly bullshit <laughs> the video of the assassination came out 10 years later, that Zabruda film. And people will tell you they saw it on TV. No one saw it on TV. They saw the film that came out 10 years later and our brains play tricks on us. So we need to kind of recognize some of these weaponized words and things that are used to control people and make other people that challenge the status quo, that think critically and um, investigate you know, stuff that doesn't make sense things that have been used to discredit those people. Um, oftentimes, anyway, I don't know. I just want no, to, I appreciate it, you calling that out because truly <laughs> we'll I say it. that, you know, it's funny that I have this sort of ingrainment in my head that I feel like I need to actually somehow, somehow protect myself by saying that what I'm sharing is a quote unquote conspiracy theory. But in reality, it's like, this wasn't, this isn't something that I just read on some random website on the internet. This is from a guy who's literally worked with the Egyptian tourism board for decades and has studied Egypt so extensively and has mm. studied all these sorts of different things where he actually was speaking from a place of pretty serious knowledge about this fact. So anyhow, the, the benefits of sunlight are being hidden from us as a species. And, mm. you know, this is all, this is all sort of to that point of, and this is something usually, um, 
you know, the host is really curious about on many podcasts I do. So I'm glad we're just getting into it. Why UV light isn't so damaging. You know, since antiquity, I was saying they have used it for benefits, uh, like a lot of different benefits and every chief God in every society, pretty much was the God of the sun or the God of the sky, you know, Zeus, Apollo, Ra, and many, many others. So these ancient peoples who were attempting to reckon with the forces of nature as best they could to ensure their survival via these concepts of these gods, the sun was always the most powerful. So it's it serves to re, you know to at least beg the question: Why was the sun the most important thing since all of time? And you know people will intuitively answer: Well, because the sun's responsible for life on Earth, or because without the sun, life couldn't exist. The Earth would be a frozen tundra. The Earth wouldn't even exist. If it weren't for the sun in, in, in certain ways, it might not at least, or it would just be maybe off and it's in the middle of the cosmos somewhere. But we we people know this, but they don't somehow at the same time they buy into this, you know, logical fallacy that the sun is bad for us. And that is a huge issue. So to further it, you know, in 1903, there's a guy named Niels Finson who won the Nobel Prize for using light to heal people with tuberculosis of the skin, lupus vulgaris. Mm. And in the inspired by this guy going into the 20s and 30s in World War I and so on, they used heliotherapy clinics all around Europe, and the Germans used it during World War I, especially mm-hmm. to heal the wounds of soldiers and help them heal more quickly. So, And, and there were, there were um, – facilities with thousands of beds that people would go when they were like out of options. Typically they were at elevation and they would just pull these beds out into the sun and they were incredibly effective. Yes, they were. They were able to heal a lot of different things. So that's a lot of historical evidence. We've obviously talked a little bit about too, what UV light's actually doing in our body with these aromatic amino acids, making neurotransmitters, And with, uh, you know, another thing we didn't discuss is vitamin D and Mm. the importance of vitamin D. I mean, when we're talking about viruses, let's not even get too deep down that rabbit hole, but basically vitamin D is essential to turn on our immune system and keep it functioning. It's essential for our bones to, to function properly and grow and be developed. It's essential for a huge variety of metabolic processes beyond these. And many people's vitamin Ds are, most people don't have enough vitamin D and taking the supplement doesn't do the same thing as the sun does, not only because the vitamin D isn't created in the same way and it isn't necessarily the same form, but also you're not getting all of the other benefits. So, you know, you take a bunch of vitamin D, okay, your blood levels go up when you when you do a blood draw, but yet you haven't actually done the work. It, it'd be kind of like going out and getting a, um, just the first thing that comes to mind, getting a certificate for you know, some kind of degree or training that you, that you, you know, and holding that and saying, oh, well, I have this certificate without having done any of the work to actually get it, but yet saying, oh, I hold this in my hand. So therefore I have a bachelor's or a master's or a PhD. It's really kind of like what taking a supplement of vitamin D does. Oh, my levels are up in my blood. Yeah. It doesn't really matter because you haven't gotten all the other effects of the sun and the vitamin D created correctly. I'm going to add another layer to that. This um, was brought to my attention recently and I kind of dug into it. So, um, colocalciferol, which is the ingredient that's used as a, um, when vitamin D is taken as a supplement form is one of the main ingredients in rat poison. Hmm. 
Additionally, um, I did a little bit of digging beyond that. So I, I confirmed that that is true. Then um, found out it is also poisonous to mice. And he's, you know, your first reaction is like, oh, well, those are rats, not humans. Um, that uh, cholecalciferol, vitamin D in supplement form is also poisonous to cats, also poisonous to dogs. Wow. So interesting to think about, like, if you're looking for a shortcut just to take it in um, supplement form, um, look, I'm, I'm not making any claims here, you know, but for me, that I, I was already a big proponent of getting it from the sun and, um, and, and now even more so. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, even if someone wants to take their vitamin D, th their supplements, great, you know, you'll, you'll boost up the level in your blood, but it's, again, it's not doing much for you. But you're still, if you're not getting sun, you're still deficient, you know, for someone who wants to buy into that, which I don't recommend, uh, you're going to be deficient in hundreds, really thousands of other things that the light is doing in our body that are far beyond the realm of vitamin D. So getting back to sort of what I was saying about the risks of, you know, the indoor modern lifestyle, one, starting with the being, just being indoors behind windows and behind walls, you're not getting that ultraviolet. You're also not getting the infrared and basically red and infrared, near infrared, far infrared. These are now being used in red light therapy devices like the one you had on because they have such important benefits on our mitochondria. And if you isolate them, they can have a, a boosting effect on our mitochondrial function, on our cellular health and so on. However, the light put off of one of these devices, even the best bulbs like sauna space, which are pretty full spectrum infrared bulbs, still doesn't compare to the level of infrared in especially strong summer sunlight. So, you know, these are things that the Finnish and the Swedish and, you know, so on would the Scandinavians would use in the winter to supplement the lack of sun. But anyone who is really you know, especially in the older times, but even today in those northern countries, when the sun comes out, they go outside and the healthy ones of them get nice tans. I've seen a lot of like older people in Norway and so on in Scandinavia, they get really tan. You'd, you'd be shocked because of how pale their skin is in the winter, but they get nice tans. And they, they said their parent, you know, I've talked to friends up there and they say their parents always kind of force them out in the summer. That's the tradition so that they can get the sun, get their vitamin D. They appreciate the sun so much because it's so cold and dark for so long up there. Point is red and infrared light devices and, and saunas and so on are awesome supplements to kind of add a little bit more light to their light diet, but it's not enough. It's not the full spectrum basically. So when we're indoors though, we're not just not getting that ultraviolet. We're also not getting the infrared we're getting. And therefore we're getting the rest of the colors, including high energy blue light coming through these windows, which is stimulating basically the increase in free radical production in the mitochondria, which is what blue light has been shown to do. It increases, and this is the clinical data, but it's been shown to increase free radical production in the mitochondria, which is a big issue for, you know, it's linked with aging, disease generation, free radicals, you know, are, are linked with a lot of things. Now, keeping in, in context, many people think you just got to take antioxidants to protect against free radicals. And that I don't necessarily agree with because our bodies have endogenous antioxidant systems mm -hmm. such as glutathione, but especially melatonin to repair these things. And taking tons of supplemental antioxidants can actually throw off these systems uh, as, these anti as these reactive oxygen species are 
signaling molecules, as well as potentially damaging in excess. But anyway, when we isolate that blue light through a window, or in the case of artificial light bulbs, which is the next thing I'd like to touch on, it becomes damaging because the near infrared, which is the healing light that helps to power mitochondrial function, is no longer there to balance it out. So again, when you have blue and near infrared, it's great, and that's the sun. But when you have blue without near infrared, which is any light coming through a window in general, or any modern artificial light bulb besides halogen and incandescent bulbs, so but the ones most people are using, the incan- uh, I should say the fluorescence and the LEDs which are screens as well. These are plagued by the blue light issue of too much blue and not enough of the rest of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what kind of bulbs do you have in your house? So it's funny, I've actually been a nomad for the last three years so, so that I could kind of chase the sun and travel all around. So I don't even have my own house. But what I use when I'm, when I'm traveling to see at night I use a little red light headlamp that I'd actually like to be selling through raw optics. We're not at the moment, but people can go on Amazon and look up red light headlamp. It's just like the thing you use when you're camping to see, except you only use the red light feature. You don't use the bright white feature on the, on the, on the light. And I I just walk around. My friends laugh at me. They're like, dude, you're such, you're, you're insane. Like they just see me at night and I just have my little red light on my head, but that's literally it. I'll use Himalayan salt lamps as well when I'm a little more stable. Um, you know, you could just get generic red light LED bulbs on Amazon if you want something that's really low blue, like a red or an orange or a yellow bulb. Um, you could get those. And again, LEDs are usually really bad because of the blue light component. If you get one that's just red, it's significantly less bad. Um, there's the, the issue of flicker there as well. So what I would really recommend now for people who have their own place, there's um, there's basically these things called 12 volt, 12 volt halogen lamps. And these are the, the most sort of full spectrum bulbs that are, I guess, best to say the least damaging bulbs for our health. They, they're lower in blue, higher in red and infrared, almost like a kind of like a sauna space sauna bulb, except not nearly as hot, not designed to be a sauna. Just they're, they're more full in their spectrum in that sense. And they have the visible colors too, whereas a sauna space bulb doesn't, but it's not supposed to, that's not what it's for. But anyway, so there's a podcast I would, de- I would defer people to on that particular subject with the, the leading expert in the world, specifically on lighting, light bulbs, and so on. His name's Dr. Alexander Wunsch. And he was interviewed by my friend, Luke Story, who you probably are, are familiar with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and anyway, they go really deep on levels that I, I couldn't, um, on, on the different amperages and wattages. And he goes really deep there about that. So I would recommend for you in the home search process, listening to that, but the, the, the short of it is 12 volt halogen lamps are the best. And depending on the, you know, the circuitry in your house and the type of lamps, there's a particular, there's a particular combination of like higher current, lower wattage, I believe, or it's lower current, higher wattage, one of the two that is ideal. And, and they get into those details there. Um, awesome. How do you so, spell yeah, his last name? Dr. Alexander Wunsch, W-U-N-S-C-H. He's a German fellow. Got it. Nice. Yeah, so that, that that's, that's on the lifestylist podcast. Yeah. That, that could be very valuable for, for you and your home search and for anyone who has a house, um, I'm not sure if those fit in standard kind of, uh, you know, E26 or whatever they are sockets, but, uh, 
those are good incandescent bulbs like you know the edison bulbs that they have at mm-hmm. restaurants now that are dim yep. warm and you see the nice filament if you could get those in real incandescent as opposed to an led copycat of those bulbs which are much less warming and calming but a lot of restaurants make that mistake especially in california because leds are illegal in california or i should say incandescents are illegal in california you can't even order them on amazon amazon won't deliver them to california it's crazy mm-hmm. but uh so that's an issue because these leds california has fallen <laughs> it, it is it, there are many issues about california i was just in san diego for six months it was it's there's many good great things about it too including you know great beaches great waves nice sure. people beautiful, yeah you know beautiful people but uh, yes, <laughs> there are many issues there. Um, the uh, supreme leader is is making life really hard for people over there Oof. right now. But anyhow, <laughs> separate discussion. Yeah. Um, we just people just really ought to be aware, and it's just not commonly known that these lights are tremendously deleterious to our health. And and so if you can do anything that's more on the halogen or the um, halogen or incandescent side of the spectrum. Great. But this is my, my chief best recommendation is build the house or, you know, have a house that has a lot of natural sunlight use attempt to get windows that transmit the full spectrum. And I would recommend not using any artificial lights during the day because you don't really need them. If you have a lot of natural light coming in. And secondly, don't use any artificial lights at night. If you don't have to use either fireplaces, candle lights, and if you really want bulbs and you don't want to go through a gajillion candles, which will happen if you're only using candles, mm-hmm. um, you can do something like that where you get red or orange or yellow lights that are LED or focusing mm-hmm. on those more full spectrum halogen lights. But even those have some blue. So at night, I would, for example, do something like getting an incandescent red coated light or an LED red coated light. And then having a bunch of lamps all around the place and turning those on. But personally, mm-hmm. I wouldn't go to that direction. I would just get some Himalayan salt lamps and light a bunch of candles and incense and essential oil diffusers. And that's kind of more my opinion. This episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show is brought to you by Veritas Farms and their full line of CBD products, CBD standing for cannabidiol. Now, we are real excited about this partnership because Veritas means truth in Latin, and we are big believers in bringing you guys the truth, not just through this podcast, but by making sure that any products that we share or that we bring on as sponsors are products that we personally use, believe in, and endorse ourselves. And that is the case with Veritas Farms and their full line of CBD products. The reason that they're so great, they are full spectrum hemp products, meaning that they have all of the beneficial phytonutrients that you get in a quality CBD product. 99% of the CBD products on the market are CBD isolate, and they're just being resold, meaning they're coming from a few small manufacturers. They've only got one tiny part of all of the important phytonutrients that you need to get the benefits you want from a CBD product, and they're just a bunch of different companies reselling them. Veritas Farms is vertically integrated, meaning they own the farm. They ensure that there are no pesticides being added. It's organic. And then they control the entire process from harvesting to extraction until that product ends up at your door. That's what I love it. It's kind of like farm to table, but for CBD and the benefits that I've noticed, my sleep is better. I feel like I get a deeper, more restful night's sleep. I'm less stressed. I never have periods of anxiety. I feel calm and focused throughout the day. And it even decreases in 
inflammation when I have flights or other things where inflammation is an inevitable part of life. You take a little extra CBD and it can be very helpful for stress, anxiety, sleep, and that inflammation. So if you guys want to check it out, we've arranged a 15% discount for you guys. To get that, you can go to theveritasfarms.com forward slash biohacks. I'll spell it out. T-H-E-V-E-R-I-T-A-S-F-A-R-M-S.com forward slash B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S to save 15%. Check out the Veritas Farms CBD. You guys are going to absolutely love it. I've got the EMR tech fire wave here that, that I'll use for, um, for light. And then, you know, I've had sunlights and Edison bulbs, the the Edison bulbs burn out kind of quick, but, um, yeah, definitely a softer, more warm feel like you're, you you can tell a difference. I mean, I remember even going into, going into like stores with my mom as a kid and feeling like like how much I disliked those fluorescent bulbs and like they made my skin look weird. And I just, I didn't even like being under them. I remember hiding in, in Marshall's like under the clothes. Yeah. Because exactly. I was like, there's these, these lights are terrible. Um, That's the thing is yeah. People just, if, if people take away one thing, do not use any cool lighting ever cool fluorescent bulbs or cool LEDs. Like, and I, I hate to say this, but even warm LEDs and warm fluorescents are way less bad than the cool ones. Cool meaning it's more of that bright white as opposed to a bit more of a warm yellow. Personally, though, I would not use either ever. Um, I would stick to if you're going to use an LED ever. Um, there's, you know, we're we're probably going to be developing not too far down the road low flicker LED bulbs that have, um, you know, red or orange yellow color and or incandescent bulbs that have a similar effect. Um, but for now, in the meantime you know, there are lots of options out there and people should just stick with the warmer lights. Cause so during the day now there's that risk of, of not getting enough sun. That's one, two and three are when you're indoors during the day, getting artificial light. It's that exact, uh, concept we've already broken down of too much blue, not enough near infrared. So the artificial lights during the day, that's why our day lenses are, are this deep yellow color. They block approximately 98% of the blue, just letting in just a tiny bit to sort of allow us to have a little bit more color perception and keeping us a little bit awake. And they still let in the green light, which activates our wakefulness systems, but significantly less so than blue. So that way, when you're indoors, you're getting protected uh, during the day. Now at night, the reason our night lenses are so much darker, they're more of that deep red orange color. They are blocking the vast majority of the green and all of the blue as well. And so that is just what I, you know, what I recommend for people is putting those on after sundown. But the biggest issue of artificial lights now at night, this is number three of the risks of this indoor lifestyle is that we're not just causing cellular oxidative damage to occur by having too much blue and not enough near infrared at night that is happening but we're actually now disrupting our body's natural melatonin release which it's it's not only during the day we create extra oxidative damage now we're destroying the system that's meant to repair that oxidative damage when we're exposed to blue light after the sun goes down by disrupting our natural melatonin secretion and the same way in 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 a similar way not getting morning sunlight exposure and outdoor time throughout the day to build that melatonin using ultraviolet a light is also a big issue so people need and this is part of the core components of what i call the light diet which is my protocol to optimize health by optimizing our light exposure in specific it's getting morning sunlight exposure and sunlight throughout the day and mm-hmm. blocking artificial light at night blocking blue light at night or just using better 
forms of light, like candles and so on. So those are the key things. Yeah. It's, it's great advice. And like, and so many um, people in our community use like the aura ring to track their deep sleep and REM sleep. And it's, it's, um, undeniable at this point that like wearing the, the red glasses at night for, especially after sunset, but even just for like an hour or two before bed improves your, your sleep scores, the, um, how, how rested you feel, um, when you wake up in the morning, you know, and if like, you know, you think about the fact that like our circadian biology is tuned to light, uh, feeding and movement mainly, right. There's a lot of things, but, um, I, I would even along with light, I would put electricity in there, which includes like non-native EMF, but let's just keep it simple. If, if you're getting a lot of natural sunlight during the day, especially to your eyes, not just through a window, like we've talked about, but like, it could be as simple as you have your morning cup of coffee and you get outside on your porch or even better with your feet, um, bare feet in the grass and, uh, you look toward the sun, you know, have your chair or whatever facing the sun. Right. And, and any opportunities, you know, if, if you're someone that works in an office job for, for those that like still have that going on in their life, get outside, have your lunch outside, you know, and get some more sun to your eyes. Then like our body's incredibly sophisticated where it can kind of tell based on the, 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 combination of the light frequencies that are coming from the sun, what time of day it is and tune your cells to that. And then, you know, cut yourself off at night, throw on a pair of, uh, raw optics, you know, that what, what's the name that you have for the, the night ones? I mean, the, the night lenses, lenses, just simply night day lenses. lenses and night lenses. Yeah. yeah. The night lenses and, um, you know, cut your food off, stop, stop eating two and a half, three hours before bedtime. Um, mm -hmm. cause that can really jack up your sleep too. And like, if, if, if you just do those things, you're going to see an improvement and there's probably one aspect there that you're not, that you haven't integrated and it, it can dramatically improve your sleep, your hormonal health, your circadian biology and your longevity. Yeah. I mean, it's very well put Anthony. It's so interesting that the data is out about circadian rhythms. I mean, the Nobel Prize, like you said, was, I believe, in 2016 for in medicine was for the basically elucidation of just how the circadian mechanism works. It was in fruit flies, but still it, it basically applies to all living organisms as far as as far as we know. So you know, that's huge. The data on how blue light is disruptive to our cellular functioning, and especially to our melatonin at night and how artificial light at night is a massive sort of pandemic or epidemic plaguing the earth. I mean, it's way worse than COVID, uh, this supposed so-called COVID. And, you know, not only is that data out as well, but the data on how sunlight affects the body has been out for 100 plus years. Uh, and it's only getting more and more robust how light via the eye affects every single hormonal system. There's a book called The Influence of Ocular Light Perception on Metabolism in Man and an Animal. And this is written by a German guy who's a mentor of this current guy I mentioned, Dr. Alexander Wunsch. This guy who wrote the book, his name is Fritz Hallwich. And he basically describes very well how the light, you know, he shows all these experiments of his predecessors and his that there's this non-visual circuitry in the brain coming from the eye that isn't creating images, 
but the light coming through the eye is controlling our circadian rhythm. It's controlling our hormonal centers. It's controlling every single organ and gland essentially in the body. And when we're not getting the proper stimulus from the light, the function of these systems declines. Our testosterone production is going to go down. Our libido is going to go down. Our appetite is going to be altered. Our excretion is going to be altered. I mean, this is like the 60s and 70s and 80s. This work was being written about in Germany and Russia and so on. I mean, you have guys like uh, Fritz Albert Pop and there's a, a Gerwich, Alexander Gerwich, who are these Russian and German researchers who are studying how biophotons in the body work. In other words, our cells not only take in light, they communicate using light. They release their own light that called mm-hmm. biophotons. They and that controls cell division, like the stimulus for mitosis, the division of cells is release pulses of this from the cell of extreme low frequency ultraviolet light. So if ultraviolet light is so bad for us, why does our body use it to communicate and stimulate cell division, which is happening bajillions of times per second in every single body, uh, body part and organ and so on. It's, it's, it's just so amazing yeah. how much light controls in our body. Another resource too, this, the, the book health and light by uh, yeah. John Ott, that's, you know, it's sold over 3 million copies, um, still available on Amazon for, for like 20 bucks. Um, mm-hmm. you know, if, if, if there's anyone listening that still doubts the, the, <laughs> well, <laughs> the it's merits. great to learn more. I recommend everyone read those books. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and then, you know, and then the further you go down the rabbit hole, you know, you start recognizing that that light really is a form of electricity. And there's, you know, we, there's, um, you know, sort of a, a a bell curve with this stuff, depending on the frequency and the exposure, you know? Um, but what I want to ask you about is let's talk about porphyrins for a second. Cause I think it's something that is incredibly important for, um, understanding like circadian biology and energy production. And, we spend a lot of time talking about like proteins, carbohydrates, fats, and, and no one's really talking about porphyrins at all. Um, do you mind giving like a 30,000 foot overview or if that's, if, if I just dropped a question on you where you're like, uh, what's coming? No, it's a great question. So actually I don't know as much about porphyrins as I'd like to, but I can answer it with a, a pretty simple answer. What I do know about them is that Porphyrins, they're basically certain types of proteins um, that are one great example is hemoglobin in our red blood cells. So the porphyrins basically are these, um, they're compounds, I should say, that take in light and help to transfer it to other places, essentially. So that's probably the best way to summarize it. Um, yeah. There. So you might, you probably know more than I do about the subject, and I'd love to hear your your knowledge about porphyrins. And it's something I'm definitely going to go look into a little bit further. But but basically, a mentor of mine in the in the light space spoke a lot about porphyrins and how they are like our red. Basically, our blood is a ferry boat for light to get through our body. It also carries oxygen, which is also very important, but it doesn't just carry oxygen. It Mm -hmm. carries light energy to all of these different places in our body, allowing our cells to do their functions. In other words, like in the body, there's all these, just maybe a higher level answer that can help people to sort of get some context here is that in the body, there's all of these bio 
mechanical things that are occurring. There's all biochemical things that are occurring. There's all these reactions, these chemicals and all this stuff. But the question that really needs to be asked is what's driving all of these chemicals? Are they driving themselves in a sense, you know, the, the Darwinist theories of, of evolution and, and the uh, what's called neo-Darwinist theories, which don't accurately represent Darwin's actual work anyway, but the neo-Darwinist theories of life are that life is based on genes and that genes are the primary piece of life that governs all life and that all life evolves and springs forward from genes. There's a book called The Selfish Gene, Selfish Gene that really dives into this uh, discussion. But that theory has been sort of really disproven over and over again. In yeah, other words, life has. isn't all about our genes. <laughs> life is, life I is loved cool. that book. I read it like, I don't know, call it 20 years ago. I, I may have even read it twice. And then, and then you find out a lot of it's actually nonsense. Yeah. I mean, but I loved it at the time. <laughs> great writing for sure. But, but basically the, the, what's been found today is that Genes are more, there's this concept of the science of epigenetics, which is essentially the foundation for all health, wellness, biohacking, and even ancient health and wellness and spiritual practices is the the, the epigenetics is the medium through which changes in our environment and lifestyle can affect or even thinking patterns can affect our genetics and physiologic outcomes in our body. And so that's, that takes this genetic paradigm from, you know, it's all about the gene to it's actually all about the environment. And, and the, the cool part is the mediator of epigenetics, as epigenetics is the mediator of all these changes we observe in our, in our physiological expressions and life and so on, and, and our disease states or lack of disease states and health and energy or not energy. You know what I mean? The, the mediator for that is mitochondria or mitochondria. So mitochondria as the cellular engines in our body are react because every single human cell has about a thousand mitochondria. So for every one set of genes we have in our body, there are a thousand mitochondria, each of which have a small set of their own genes, which are the genes specifically required for, let's say, um, coordination of energy manufacturing and energy production in those mitochondria. So and the point is with a thousand mitochondria to every within every human cell, they are the ones that are reacting to changes in the environment. You change the oxygen levels, you change the altitude, you change the electromagnetic environment with EMF or sunlight or blue light, or you change the temperature with cold, you change the nutritional environment with fuel. The mitochondria are the first responders, basically the first line on almost almost every physiological change in our environment other than you know our surfaces our skin our eyes our gut these things take that signal you know in many cases first the gut takes in food the light the eyes the skin take in light and temperature changes so those are the signal the signaling receivers but then they go into the mitochondria and the mitochondria's energy production changes what changes as a result of the energy production changing which well let's say there's a signal then the environment, so the environment changes, there's a signal to the body that changes the mitochondria's ability to produce energy. This changes the free radicals that the mitochondria is producing. So this is when I said earlier that they're signaling molecules, they're not always bad. They're signaling molecules, which they, the, the free radicals change the mitochondrial genes in, a, in an attempt to find a solution or to find a new way of doing things in that altered environment. And then the ones that succeed or do better 
live on, the ones that don't, they are usually selected out to die. And this is the key for actually changing our gene expression is when the mitochondria are working well, aka we're in an environment that's conducive to health or we're making decisions that are conducive to our, our functioning or we're finding an adaptation that is conducive to our functioning in a new and different environment, then the genes can the, the nuclear genes, which require energy to be trans, you know, opened up, transcribed, and translated and turned into proteins and built into proteins, and all of that requires energy. So if the mitochondria aren't doing really well, our nuclear gene expression has issues, essentially. Um, when the mitochondria are doing really well, our nuclear gene expression can go on more the way it's supposed to, but it, it's almost a little counterintuitive based on the evidence when energy production in the mitochondria is good, the nuclear genes are actually more quiet. In other words, the nucleus can kind of chill out because we're able to maintain the things that are happening in the cell pretty well with all the energy. But when the energy actually goes down, the nuclear genome actually is, is shown in, in a lot of data to become more overactive. In other words, we're now turning over proteins more frequently. We're in like hyper stress and growth mode, but that's it's kind of like burning the candle at both ends and you end up in a situation where you're going to have problems. So anyway, all of this is to say that the, you know, back to the conversation about porphyrins, just to kind of loop it together is that the genes are not the driver of life and biochemistry is not the driver of life. Energy is the driver of life because energy is required for anything to move at all in the universe. And life is very animate. It moves a lot. It's very active. This all requires energy. The energy totally. isn't coming from chemical reactions in the body, biochemical reactions. They're all being driven by energy. And one other person who I'd love to, th to throw into this, who you would you've either read his work, or at least you would love it. His name's Robert O. Becker. His, mm -hmm. the, author of a book called The Body Electric. And he basically was a, a resident in medical school in World War II in a big hospital in Manhattan, observing a lot of nasty amputations and stuff, and started asking, why can salamanders regenerate their limbs and humans can't? And he started studying and found that it's electricity that the body uses to regenerate. And salamanders have condensed their electrical potential into a smaller organism so they can regenerate an entire limb, whereas humans have used we've sort of used our energy differently to become larger organisms. Therefore, if you cut off my leg, I can't necessarily regrow it. It's possible that technology could be used to do that. But separate conversation is that his lab's funding was cut off because his protege, Andrew Marino, was researching the health effects of high voltage transmission lines as you know, relevant to our conversation earlier. And so they shut down his, his funding because it was yep. a veterans administration lab and the Navy was the most threatened. The Navy was in control and they were the most threatened by their research. But anyway, I mean, that's, that's huge. You just dropped one of the biggest secrets of the universe. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> it, it, it is that we are not biochemical beings. We're bioelectric beings. And, and yes. life is driven by electricity. And there's a specific reason that this is suppressed information. Um, I have theories. I, I, I believe that we are now like in a period where we're being pushed towards a technocracy where humanity could, if we don't wise up, and change our behavior, be enslaved by technology, by be policed by our phones. And the um, in infrastructure, in order to make that possible, are all these 5G towers, higher power devices, Wi-Fi, smart meters, et cetera. And so it, it is critical for some of the parasite class. Um, some people call them the ruling elite. 
I refer to them as a parasite class, um, for them to suppress the information about the, the ill health effects of surrounding us with electricity and non-native electromagnetic fields, you know, yep. um, and to have people believing that we are this, this, um, essentially capsule of biochemical reactions. They've, they've, there's so many well-meaning doctors that, that got into this to help people and they've been indoctrinated and misled. And I think if you're not actively learning and taking, um, using critical thinking discernment and your intuition to determine, is this true or is this BS? Does this really make sense? Does this check out? Does this line up with my life experience? You're going to get left behind in, in, as, as humanity sort of ascends to this new earth. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I, so I fully agree. And that's, it's such an, important point that that I almost glaze over because it's so ingrained in my head, but it, it's true. And so Becker found that, you know, this is a simple question is if every single cell in the body has the same set of genes, which they do the same 23 chromosomes, essentially, except the cells that don't contain a nucleus, which are like red blood cells, for example, but um, every cell that has genes has the same 23 chromosomes and all the same genes contained in the cell. So how do certain cells know to be to turn on and off certain genes and become that type of cell versus becoming another type of cell? And where in the body, how do they know to do that in the exact right parts of the body? And the reason they know it is because there's a governing electromagnetic field, which some would refer to as our aura, essentially, but it is this field around our body that is it is both the director of our body and it is sort of the result of our body. But that is what governs the entire process of our functioning in our, in our cells. And that is, it's, it's interesting, you know, in conception where you have a sperm and an egg cell meet, you also have the energy, the chi of the parents kind of coming together. And it's, it's both, it's sort of like a, I described it before as a stimulus and a response type of thing where these sperm and egg meet, and that sets off, there's actually images of, of what happens. There's a big explosion of light that occurs when a sperm and an egg cell meet. And that energy field is what sort of sets the expression of these genes, you know, and then the, uh, in motion and the genes combine and they start creating structures and expanding. And so it, it's sort of like when I say stimulus response, stimulus response, the genes, the, the cells interact, it releases energy. The energy drives the process forward and the, the process being driven forward, the genes being expressed and turned into proteins, turned into proteins, create fields, or basically, I shouldn't say create fields, but they sort of unwind a field that is already programmed into those initial genes. It's sort of like an unwinding, like the, of the growth of an embryo is like an unwinding of a set of genes that are coding for electromagnetic information. So it's not so much that it's growth, but it's really an unwinding of the electromagnetic energy that is encoded in that genome. Does that kind of make sense? Totally. Totally. So you're not really growing, you're just unwinding something that's already there. And that's what the growth of a human into a full human being is. It's just an unwinding, in a sense, electromagnetically. Don't take, you know, people don't have to take it too literally, but that's pretty much what's happening. So, so all, so the answer to the question is that these cells know to become a liver, a kidney, a red blood cell, an eye, a retina, a different type of rod, a cone, and this or that, because of the governing field. 
And so when I was with Dr. Joe Dispenza at this advanced workshop the last week, you yeah. know, there was a ton of people there. It was a very busy event, but he's talking about how the field Einstein said is the sole governing agent of a particle. And it was, so there was a lot of people there. Oh yeah. Not, yes. not, not really the fearful, uh, I believe the COVID nonsense crowd. Well, they have to, they have to abide by certain restrictions and they have to be careful about, about what they're doing and, and kind of make space. But, um, you know, they, they, they do their best to, let's say, how can I say? Yeah. You can't just be the wild. You can't just be renegade or you'll get shut down. No, so exactly. You have kind of to do playing. your best to obey with the restrictions and the rules and this and that, but it was in Florida, which is a relatively open state and the events, you know, they occurred on certain periods of time when there were other much larger political events being, you know, thrown down, so to speak. So, you know, they're being very, very cautious in what they're doing and very, very smart so that the work can go on because, uh, a lot of people are, you know, against the, the awakening of our society. Let's just put it that way. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and Dr. Dispenza's uh, crusader, I would say for the awake, you know, the enlightenment of our, of our, of our time and our age. Um, yeah. So obviously he meets with resistance, but it was, it was a great event. And he's talking all about how Einstein says that the field is the sole governing agent of the particle. And in, in other words, matter doesn't affect and change matter. Energy affects the field affects and changes matter. And now that's more quantum physics talk, but in our body, it, it's the same truth. It's that this energy field that, that is who we really are is what governs all the matter. And a great analogy for this just to really stick it in people's heads is when you see a dead body, you don't call it by the name of the person who used to inhabit that body. You say that's Matt's body. You would never point at me on if I were dead on the ground and say, that's Matt, you know, just cause I'm no longer there. And therefore the I is not, or the I or the consciousness isn't the matter. It's the energy that is no longer present in a dead body. I mean, that alone is a common thing we use in our language that we don't, we don't realize the implications of it. But mm -hmm. no one would ever refer to a dead body as a person, right? Yeah. So you get the idea. It's it's totally. back to the, the point of porphyrin. So I'm glad you asked that question, even though I can't particularly list off the 100 functions of porphyrins and all the things they do and why they're so important, because I've definitely read about them and they are important and relevant, especially with light. But it's more just generally that the, the availability of full spectrum sunlight in the environment allowed for life to gain a uh, different level to climb to different levels of complexity. In other words, every single molecule, biomolecule and atom and everything in, in nature basically absorbs and re-emits certain wavelengths of light. That's just basic physics and how electrons interact with protons and light and so on. And so biomolecules, you know, these, these molecules that exist in our, in our organism, in our body, these also absorb and emit different wavelengths of light in certain ways. And so the body essentially uses tons of the different wavelengths of light to power different reactions, different things happening in the body. So the, the health and functioning of a person who is living outdoors in full spectrum sunlight, spending their time getting sun, they are powering not just vitamin D and nitric oxide release, which is another effect of UVA light, which is super good for heart health and blood pressure and a bajillion other things, mitochondrial function and infrared light to optimize the mitochondria and red light to optimize the mitochondria and green and you know, all the other effects of blue for the circadian rhythm and so many other effects that aren't even studied among those that are, when you stand in full spectrum sunlight and you're regularly getting it, you're powering so many of the things in the body and, and the health and function of someone who's in full spectrum sunlight 
can't be even, it can hardly be compared to someone who's not. I mean, it's, it's like a pale ghost versus a robust, vibrant, alive being is the, just the best side-by-side I can put. And it's not just one or two things the sun's doing. It's literally powering and animating every single biochem- biochemical reaction in the body, in addition to controlling the timing of them through the circadian rhythm. So <laughs> that's my answer about porphyrins. It's a little oh, bit longer, but, it's, but it's, they're, it's, they're just another messenger in the body to carry sunlight, just like melatonin. Melatonin isn't melatonin by itself. This is, goes back to the vitamin D point. I mean, melatonin, if you take supplemental melatonin, it doesn't do the same thing as melatonin that's a messenger for sunlight powered by sunlight. That's what all these chemicals and things in the body really are. They're messengers to help our body take light and information from the environment and let it do physiological things in the body. So melatonin is just a messenger to take sunlight energy and help it to stimulate and restore our cells. And so is vitamin D and so are these porphyrins. Yep. Anywhere that you find electrons moving and being exchanged in plants and animals, you find porphyrins. And, um, yeah, you, I mean, you give a you give a beautiful explanation. Last thing, because um, I got my my I'm taking my old man to transcranial magnetic stimulation. Um, yeah, helps, helps a ton with his with his Parkinson's. Um, what you know? What should someone look for when purchasing uh, blue light blocking glasses? You know, and like not not a sales pitch by any means, but like you put a lot of care and work into your craft, you know, into, into the products that you make, you know, and what are some of the things that you've done with your raw optics lenses that other people, um, may not have other companies may not have put into theirs? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a couple main things. Basically the first is that people need to know that clear lens, blue light blocking glasses are basically a gimmick. So why I say that is because the majority of blue light blocking glasses companies on the market are selling these clear lenses that do not block almost any of the significant range of light. And this sounds like some woo-woo. Um, I did a video about it that I'm I'm probably going to post soon, but I called out all the companies by name, and I'm not sure if that exposes me to, you know, like slander or libel charges, but I, I was measuring in front of a camera, so I have the, the data there to show it. But yeah. anyhow... Um, the the clear lenses are clear because they're not blocking any significant portion of the visible spectrum. And this is the thing to get is that the, the blue light that's damaging that affects these systems, that affects our non-visual portions of our optic nerve and our you know systems in the brain, the circadian rhythm and so on, all these effects we've been talking about are they're the same blue light wavelengths that we see with our eyes. So in other words, when you cut the blue that has these negative effects, you see a different color spectrum. And therefore the lenses are either gonna be more yellowish, whether it's a light yellow or a deeper yellow. Um, The more blue you block, the more the lens will go from a lighter yellow to a darker yellow to more of an orange. And then if you're blocking into the green spectrum, you're gonna go more into the deep orange red color. Uh, If you block all the green, you're gonna be a deep red. And then, cause you're just cutting out portions of the spectrum. If you block all the, blue, green, and yellow, and orange, the only color left in the spectrum visibly is red. Um, I'm, I'm excluding violet from the other side of the spectrum because most artificial light sources do not have any violet present, and it's it's a, a lot less, uh, how can I say, present color compared to blue. Um, violet, indigo only cover a, a, a couple tens of wavelengths of light, whereas blue covers almost 100, wave, 100 nanometers of 
the spectrum from, from about a 420 to 500. It's about 80 nanometers. But anyway, point is these lenses for the, the, the fashion that these companies are going for, they're clear so that they appease to customers, but they're clear because they don't block the right wavelengths. So any clear lenses that someone is purchasing are pretty much a gimmick. And so that's the first thing to, to get out. So you need a lens that's going to be either a yellow at least or an orange or a red that's actually been tested to block the right wavelengths of light. And so that's what we do with our lenses. And there's a couple other companies that are doing a good job about that, but not many with these colored lenses that are really blocking the blue. So that's one. The other thing is you're going to want to have lenses for day and for night because for day, you want blue light protection if you're indoors you don't need as much as for night. It uh, doesn't mean you couldn't wear a night lens during the day or a day lens at night. It's just not optimal for color perception. Like for example, if I wore a night lens all day, I would get tired. Also, I would have a much lower experience of the colors in my world because of all the extra green being blocked that doesn't need to be blocked during the day. So having a day lens that's going to protect you from the blue maximally, but still give you optimal color perception is very important. And then having a night lens for night that blocks deeper into the green. Now it's going to reduce color perception, of course, but it's going to allow you to still see the red, orange, and yellow and a little bit of the green we do so that people, if they want to drive with their lenses, they can, although I can't advise that, but um, that's something that, you know, or if they just want to be able to see, you know, if they're walking on the street, you want to see street lights, you want to see a little bit more color. And the component of the green that we let through is the lowest energy of the green colors. So it's not nearly as active on our circadian rhythm. So having good quality day and night lenses that are tested and block the right wavelengths is key. And then what we do with raw optics is I want to have something like you said, that isn't a, isn't a sort of, uh, it, it isn't preventing you from, for example, finding a sexual partner, if we can, you know, put it that way, um, <laughs> you just something that's going to be attractive, stylish. So we make our frames out of the best quality materials that are available. Where you, where, so, where you don't, uh, improve your, uh, longevity markers, but also remove yourself from the, uh, breeding pool. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's a very good way to put it. And at which point you will reduce your longevity by lacking community as you get into your older age, yes. right? Yes. <laughs> Based on the evidence. So that would be very counterintuitive. And that's what a lot of the blue blockers, especially three years ago, were, were doing. Now it's less so that issue. There are a lot of companies with pretty decent frame styles. Um, the, the qualities is a different story, but, uh, they, then the, the lenses are the biggest thing really that you want to get right. But the frames, you want to have something that not only is going to be attractive, there are a lot of attractive frame styles on the market, but as far as the materials go, we use the best quality materials because then you're wearing it on your face. It feels both light, it feels firm, but it's also flexible enough. It's durable. So what we do to get to achieve that is we use this Italian acetate, which is just the gold standard of any type of basically plastic material you can use for frames. It's a plant-based type of uh, acetate. And so it's vegan, um, <laughs> yeah, but um, the, uh, there's the metal in the frames. We use German steel so that it's just the strongest, most durable. So when you get raw optics, you're literally just buying the best blue blockers that are available on the market, the best that money can buy. Some people don't want to put, you know, the extra cash into supporting themselves and their health. And that's totally fine. But I make sure we make sure as a company that they are always done right. And if anyone ever has any questions or concerns or challenges or whatever, they want to exchange their pair or try something different. We always offer a 30 day period for people to test and exchange, but 
So that's another benefit. You know, I recommend people work with a company that's actually supporting them. That isn't just another sort of Facebook ad drop shipping type of company um, that's having them come over from China and just really not something that the company that's really interested in your, um, how can I say your best interest in your health? Right. Right. So and just, just you know, join the bandwagon. Some, I mean, well said. And what I really appreciate too, is people that, you know, create great products and, uh, walk, you know, walk the walk and are out there, like you're sharing your message. And if you guys have, have listened to this conversation and like got value, you know, one of the ways that you can let Matt know is by going to rawoptics.com and like, pick up, a, pick up a forward pair of slash glasses, biohacks, forward slash biohacks. There you go. Um, I'm, I'm like the worst affiliate promoter <laughs> ever. Um, <laughs> yeah. Raw optics.com for, I just, I don't, I don't care about it too much. You know what I mean? Oh, but it, wow. when it's good, when it's good products, you know, I would, I just want to put those out there. So raw optics.com forward slash biohacks, get a pair of the day and the night ones and, uh, you'll love them. I've got, I've got, absolutely here. I wore my day ones for most of the show. Mm -hmm. And that also is just like, when you like, what people share and them taking the time to like add value to your life, support them and, and buy their stuff. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, I appreciate that. that. It's, it's not, it's not relevant. I do go on these shows because I want to be sharing this information. That was the first podcast I ever went on. It was before I even started my company. And, uh, I was actually just trying to get this message out and build up sort of my coaching brand. And then this, the glasses company just sort of started to take off. So I said, well, you know what, let me focus here. But um, still, podcasts for me are something, a way that I can both learn from the host and share good information, have a great dialogue. So that's important. One other thing I want people to, uh, to hear about is that I'm going to be releasing what I call the light diet. I mentioned earlier, it's the steps, the actual takeaways that people can do to really optimize their light environment in the modern world. Um, and we talked about the, the three of the core steps, which is you know, after the sun goes down, watching the sunset, wearing your blue blockers, uh, and then going to sleep pretty early and not eating a lot of food within three to four hours of bed. So you can be in a more fasted state and really repair your cells. Step two, uh, waking up with the sun and watching the sunrise to set the circadian rhythm and set all these hormones and programming and neurotransmitters that happen when we watch the sunrise, like the ancient yogis did in India, they watched sunrise and sunset, sun gazing straight at it for about 15 minutes over the horizon. And step three is just living outdoors during the day, spending as much time as you can in natural full spectrum sunlight, whether you're directly sunbathing or you're in the shade, just not behind windows and walls. And uh, those are the takeaways people can take, but we're going to have the other six or I should say five steps of the light diet in this course that I'm releasing. It's going to be a free course. People can just give us their email address to get the course and a PDF that goes with it. But I just want people to have this information um, that they can use so that this isn't some cryptic, uh, hidden information or just not commonly talked about that it really can get into the hands. Because like you said before, so many people are tracking their sleep and this and that, but the number of biohackers who aren't even protecting their circadian rhythm um, is shocking, to be honest. So where can people get the light diet? I know you're on Instagram at the light diet. People know they can pick up, pick up the day and night lenses at uh, rawoptics.com forward slash biohacks. Yeah. Uh, the light diet, the, uh, the actual course we're, we're going to do to start off at rawoptics.com forward slash the light diet. And depending on the release of this, it should be out uh, in sometime in February of this year, 2021. So uh, we'll look for that. Um, but yeah, probably rawoptics.com forward slash the light diet. People will be able to get 
that course, just put in their email and get the course and the accompanying PDF that explains the different steps of the light diet that people can use. And uh, yeah, so that's a really, a really good start. I, I'm so grateful for this conversation. This yeah, this was awesome. a blast, man. Awesome, awesome conversation. Um, glad we got to connect. And uh, guys, if you got value, you know, support Matt, pick up some specs. And I, I, I fully stand behind them. They're amazing. I wear them um, almost on a daily basis. And uh, yeah, it, with the censorship and things going on right now, you know, share this episode with um, people you care about, Make in, in, encourage them to subscribe to the Biohacking Secrets Show. And uh, Matt, thanks for coming on, brother. Thanks so much. <laughs> thanks so much, Anthony. This has been awesome. What's up, guys? Anthony here, and thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show. One of my favorite things to do is helping men and women like you feel what it's like with the body you've always wanted and all-day energy that starts the moment you wake up and doesn't quit. Over the past decade, we've created a proprietary health assessment that helps me to identify the unique toxicities and deficiencies that may be holding you back from the life that you deserve. And what we've discovered in doing this with now thousands of CEOs, executives, professional athletes, businessmen, Hollywood celebrities, and entrepreneurs is that there's always room for improvement and optimization. Whether you're already performing at a high level or you have that feeling inside your heart that you're capable of more, the single fastest way to unlock your potential is to upgrade your mind and your body. And there's no program on earth that does that faster or to a greater magnitude than our one-on-one -on -one consulting program at www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash coaching. We start with our proprietary health assessment that screens you for vitamin deficiencies like A, D, magnesium, iron, etc., high cholesterol and heart disease, high blood pressure, digestive disorders, hidden infections like Lyme, Epstein-Barr, parasites, SIBO, candida, and more that can just drain your energy in the background, especially if you don't know about them. Anxiety, depression, and cognitive disorders, autoimmune disease, adrenal fatigue, thyroid issues, mold toxicity, heavy metals, environmental toxins, and other genetic risk factors like MTHFR, APOE status, your glutathione production, and many more. We even recommend the specific tests that I use with my one-on-one -on -one clients if they're relevant for you in figuring out your biological age and identifying those key areas and opportunities that can take your life to the next level. From there, we create a customized game plan along with a personalized supplement protocol to help you optimize your weight and energy at the cellular level. And for our platinum clients, we even include a personalized workshop with me in Delray Beach, Florida. Most of the year, this program's full with a waiting list, but we just had a couple spots open up and I wanted to offer them to the listeners of the Biohacking Secrets show first. So if you're interested in seeing what it might look like for us to work together, head over to www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash coaching. That's www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G and fill out the short application form. If you're pre-approved, you'll be given the opportunity to book a time to connect with someone on our team and see if it's a fit. Thank you so much for being a part of this community, and I look forward to potentially going on this journey together. Mm -hmm.